Well, howdy, folks. Welcome to Michael Perry's voicemail, episode number 62. Out the window of my little room above the garage, I can see time. Stretching back to another time when I looked out the window of a room even smaller than this one. And that window looked out over Main Street in the village of New Auburn, Wisconsin, my hometown. And I sat in that room day after day, and I wrote a book that set me on a course I could never have anticipated. I was reminded of this when the mail came the other day, and a reader sent me an article written in 2003. It was a magazine article. They came to New Auburn and interviewed me. And I had just completed a 40-city, 7,000-mile book tour. And I was caught a little off guard when I saw that article and reread it. Uh, just a truckload of emotions came flooding back. They were, they were low-key, but they were deep. And I guess as I read the piece, I, I just found myself wondering if I could convey what a privilege it was to be allowed to write so deeply about a place I cared for so deeply. And then to see that story take wing didn't make me famous, didn't make me a big shot, or it didn't even make me well-known in literary circles, but it just changed the course of my life and it became part of my life to this very moment. And so I thought today I'd go back to that book and I'd, I'd read a piece that I read every day on that 7,000-mile book tour from Population 485. Sometimes I go to the forest and prepare to die. So far, I've simply fallen asleep, but it strikes me that sleeping directly on the dirt is good practice for the big nap. I usually conduct these rehearsals while hunting. I'll put my rifle down and curl up on a patch of leaves or settle against the base of a solid white pine. If the air is crisp and I can cop a patch of sun, all the better. Jack, my brother's beefy half-Labrador mongrel dog, often tags along on these walkabouts, and if I stop to sleep, he drops to his haunches at my side, bull-chested and alert, sniffing and cocking his ears, seated, but still on the hunt. As I drift off, I can feel him glancing down, impatient to move on. Eventually, he slides to the ground, drapes his jowls across his forepaws, heaves a deep sigh, and settles to his own rabbity dreams. I've had the bug to sleep in the woods ever since I was a child. My brothers and sisters and I, five of us at the time, rarely slept in the house during the summer. We'd gather at bedtime and traipse off to the woods, trailing our sleeping bags and dragging our pillows in the dirt. Out beneath the trees in the Breed's Woods 40, we'd lie on our backs and pick out stars and speculate on the nature of the satellites that moved through the branches on their slow, straight line. I don't remember ever being caught in the rain or worrying about bears or hydrophobic skunks. I also don't recall the mornings, whether or not we trooped home altogether or just straggled home as we woke. We didn't always sleep in the forest. I can remember sleeping in the yard, although not often, because in the morning everything would be chilled and soggy with dew. I recall sleeping in the smooth concrete mangers of the cow barn, and we spent many nights atop the haystacks of the pole barn burrowed into the bales twenty feet off the ground. Our sleeping bags were lousy with chaff. But back to the woods. To sleep in the presence of trees and in the proximity of the earth is to get a sense of what it is to be holy. 
They say when Christ needed to get his head together, he did 40 days in the wilderness. I stop at 40 winks, but I believe I get a taste of what he was after. When I sleep on the forest floor, I never feel as if I'm simply taking a nap. I feel as if I'm performing some sort of embryonic ritual. When I awaken, I feel as if some important work has been done. This is not rest. This is ablution. By placing myself on the altar of the earth and retiring all my defenses, I'm receding within myself, plucking a little transcendence from the perpetually gnashing jaws of time. I'm on the verge of rhapsodizing, so let me reframe. I'm no tree hugger. I'm a tree leaner and a tree sitter and a tree seeker, but I also have the ability to appreciate a tree in the form of a straight set of two-by-fours. I do not believe the trees are sentient beings, nor do I believe they have a spirit of their own. The trees do not speak to me. But I am pleased to take their shelter, pleased when they reinforce my smallness, pleased when they give me separation from the everyday static jam in my head. There's a big old white pine I like, deep within the same forty where we slept when we were kids. It's ringed with a blanket of shed needles, rusty orange and springy. They make a fine mat, and while the tree towers above me, I am equally humbled by the idea of the tremendous roots threading the soil beneath me, knitted to the earth, clasping the soil in a way we surface-running humans never do. Such gravity. I rest above them, and they feed me as surely as if they were joined to my own veins. I absorb their ballast, resetting my keel for the journey back into a spinning world. You have to get right down there. Don't mind the dirt. We need more of that anyway. Our society has gone bonkers for cleanliness, but I fear, and research biologists are beginning to confirm, that all of this compulsive disinfecting will ultimately leave us vulnerable. I'm all for a little dirt in the gut, if only to hatch some resistance to a broad spectrum of microbaddies. So catch the scent of the earth. Smell that vital decay. Put your cheek to the rough skin of the planet. What you feel is time settling constantly into itself, and this is deeply reassuring. You belong here, you see. This is where your cells, your minerals, all the microscopic bits of you can best blend into the cosmos, to seep gently through the leaves in a graceful descent back to the beginning of things. I have come to think of my sleeps in the forest as a rehearsal for burial, and I have come to wonder why anyone would want to be sequestered in a casket, sealed away from the embrace of all this peaceful dirt. The earth is a fine cradle. We're all bound to sleep there. I hope I can convey just in that little piece how grateful I am to have written that book, to have had the opportunity to have written that book, and grateful for all the people who shared it with me, including you. So I'm just going to quietly say, well, I suppose. And from way back in 2003, forward. <laughs>